Hello, everyone. On this week's show, Ben dives into the old world. Free gets a brew. I have a look at some truly monstrous creations from Westphalia miniatures. And Warren returns. All of that, and one lucky commenter gets a chance to pick up Necromunda Hive War from store.ontabletop.com. To be in with a chance to win this fantastic prize, you need to be a subscriber to the channel. Pop a comment below, give us a like, and if you can, share it around on your social media. That really helps us out. Otherwise, sit back and relax and let a week's worth of gaming news wash over you, because your weekend starts now. Hello, everybody. We're back, and we're joined by a random, a random Warren. I suppose is one. Yeah. We've <laughs> not wild, seen one. We've not seen one Warren. in so long. Mm. It's, it was getting depressing for everybody in the comments. <laughs> it's great to be back, guys. <laughs> I will say now because we've got Warren back, we won't be updating the titles to add free to them anytime soon. <laughs> I, I, I know that will annoy like four or five people in there. I see the, I see the comments being typed. We can do one a week. We oh, yeah, can do no. one. Yeah, we can have, have the comments updated, or we can have like Warren back. Right, let's, let's why don't we just? Out. Why don't we just do the obvious thing and just Photoshop some hair onto Justin's head? Oh, <laughs> you know? I, I suggested purple crayon. Just yeah, to, you oh, do. there we go. Yeah. Um, so before we get stuck into this week's host of news, we will not be having a weekender next week, and the reason for that oh. is we're sending people out into the wild to explore the UK Games Expo, the first. Mm big convention we've seen since 2019 i want to say everything stopped the pretty event. much yeah. 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 yeah um so we'll have roving reporters on the ground mm -hmm. uh remember to bring wet sponges to rub on justin's head because you won't be allowed to lick him because of restrictions <laughs> yes you can't lick you can't lick justin like you know we take this covid thing really seriously now so you know i know that at every convention Everybody wanted to lick his head. Okay, sponges is the way to go. You <laughs> will love it. He's totally up for it, you know. Mm. And while they're wandering around, having the time of their lives, talking to people, myself and Warren will be sitting in the studio and going over what they're doing. Essentially, mm -hmm. yeah, like some sort of Wizard of Oz, all-seeing eye behind the curtain. Yeah. So we're gonna be we're gonna be focusing on doing the the live blogs as you've come to know and. I, I hope, love. <laughs> I know. Uh, from our events. So we'll be doing one of our video content that we normally would do. And then obviously all those videos are going to be up uh, on, on Tabletop and also on the UK Games Expo's front page as well. Um, so you can follow on with, with what's going on there. Uh, we're going to be updating you throughout the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So perhaps if you've sort of looked at it and been like, oh, do I go, do I go? And then you see some of the stuff that we'll be talking about on Friday and you're really into it, then you can obviously pop along to the NEC in Birmingham and give it a shout. Say hello to us outside and you know all, all of that good stuff. Go and hang out with the Vikings. Watch uh, Justin as he tries to wrestle with armor once more in the no doubt 30 degree heat. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> well, I have asked Justin if his knee is up for it. Justin has the Basil Fulte Korean knee injury oh. that always appears 
at the perfect moment when he doesn't want to do something. But I've preempted this now, and I can say officially for the record, I've asked Justin if his knee's up for it, and he went, oh, yes, boss. Knee's totally up for it. So, you know, uh, I'm 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 back-channeling at the moment to try and get him that he has to sleep over with the Vikings. I mean, so, yeah. I will be standing there with some wet tissue ready for any dark end, I tell you what, though, Jerry, me and you have this whole convention thing cracked this year. Oh, God, yeah. So we send the we send the four of those lot over to do all the hard work, mm. and me and you get to sit in the studio and just point at everything and go, "Ooh, ah, pretty much. Ooh, yeah. That's nice. The only so life show's going to be riveting, guys. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing we're missing is some way of directing them from afar, where we go, "That, what's that behind you? That no over your left shoulder. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. More that. Go back, go back." <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can get that up and running for the next one. Yeah, so no weekender, but there will still be plenty of content for people to bask in over next weekend, assuming we're all not sitting in a, a pool, uh, desperately trying to stave off heat stroke. But it's time for the most important part of the week. And Warren's back. Do you want to say it, Warren? It's got to be Indy of the Week! Uh. No, no longer the ASMR variant. <laughs> I do. I appreciate the variant. So I do. Good, isn't it? It's yeah. Mix things up a bit. So Ben, what have I picked for us this week? Uh, so the the choice that was picked out by Jerry this week uh, is one that uh, a lot of people will be very familiar with because we we like to cover mm. them on the on the site, especially because they have a, a, a lovely affinity towards a particularly favourite game of ours. Uh, but we'll get into that later. Mm. Uh, so this is V and V Miniatures, uh, who do a range of different things. They do twenty eight mil, forty eight mm-hmm. mil, and fifty four mil miniatures. All of them produced in uh, a very high quality resin, mm. uh, and they cover all manner of different time periods. They're not just Dark Age centric, as you might have imagined from looking at the front page. (laughs) They are Uh, not. Yes. They are not Dark Age centric, but they do (laughs) favor the Dark Age um, for games like Saga, for example. For example. For example. (laughs) So uh, I'll dive right in because Mm. I know how much people love me talking about Saga, and I'm actually going to skip and go straight to Carthage Um, simply because they have. A limited amount of stuff for Carthage, um, so it's not going to take us long to dive in here. But if people are interested in their Punic Wars for things like Saga, Age of Hannibal, for example, mm. or Clash of Spears, <laughs> um, then getting some really nice um, miniatures for your wow. hearth guards. Oh, they don't get much bigger, so I won't bother clicking on those. <laughs> um, getting nice miniatures for your hearth guards is a, a great way to uh, to vary up your force because there's a lot of really nice miniatures like uh, Vitrix Plastics, um, whereas these just sort of knock it up a notch and you can bask in the beauty of Carthaginian warriors. Uh, these would be veterans because they're equipped with Roman equipment, uh, which they did after kicking the toys out of the Romans and stealing <laughs> all their gear. Um, so you can tell the veterans, earlier Carthaginian warriors dress more like Greeks, uh, as do the lesser Carthaginian warriors, people who aren't good enough to get Roman meal and uh, massive shields. But the sculpture- May I ask? Yes. Okay, because I, you know, I want to. I want to take a trip down historical lane here for mm-hmm. a second. Okay. <laughs> yes. Are yeah. the Carthaginians the the geezers that ended up getting um, genocided by the Romans? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so the Romans effectively uh, went in to finish up and and 
decimated these guys to come to come oh, out. God, yeah. The the phrase Carthage must be destroyed um ah. was was basically the the make America great again of its day. It was constantly spammed in the Senate over and over mm-hmm. by senders until the people got on board with the idea that Carthage had to be destroyed. Even after they'd sued for peace, uh the Romans were having none of it. And the Carth- Carthage at its peak sort of skirted the entire med so they they went from spain north africa some of the italian islands uh up around the sort of uh the the holy land area they they were everywhere it was a colony that grew to be bigger than the the city state that founded the colony in the end Mm -hmm. um and then they they ran up against uh, Rome and got ruffle stomped. Yeah, because um, I, uh, um, Bethany told me about this. She would. Um, she, she knows a lot about it. Yes. So Bethany Hughes um, uh, was my educator in this, and this was brutal. Apparently, mm. this was like a completely brutal. So tell me then, before that, would. W- w- where does Hannibal fit in? Does Hannibal fit into the Carthag yeah. Carth- yeah. Carthaginian? Well, that's his dad. So. Hamilcar Barker um, fought the first Punic War, um, mm-hmm. which was going very, very, very well until the Senate essentially put their hand in their pockets and bought a fleet. Uh, because anytime the Romans attempted to transport anybody anywhere, the Carthaginian fleet just did them. Um, but eventually they managed to make a Roman fleet that was equal to uh, and took them out, which lost Carthage the first uh, Punic War. And then they, they got... Uh, destroyed by the reparations they had to pay essentially so then along comes his son who decides to pick up where daddy left off and hannibal then took the elephants across the alps so he went through spain the iberian peninsula uh up through the alps and then into to rome and romped about there so it's a bit i'd like the fact they've done a, a hamilcar um figure back and, in time a little bit more yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't quite fit with the veteran punic infantry that they have there but if you're not using him as Hamilcar, then you can use him as his son, or you can use him just as a Carthaginian. Yeah, I think they said in the thing that you can sort of just use him as yeah, a, yeah, a general yeah. in your force if you need and to, rather that. than the actual figure. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's your there's your dose of historical accuracy for this weekend, folks. Yeah. So, mm. and then if we have a quick look, um, Hundred Years' War has mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, mostly archeries, although there are a couple of knights kicking nice. around as well so you can try and deal with the flower of french chivalry on the fields <laughs> and uh-huh. uh again stunning oh, sculpts the one look one that. thing you can never slight vmv for is the quality of their sculpts yeah the casting yeah. is very very crisp indeed i have some of the vikings somewhere buried in a box i, I think mean, you you know people see, are shocked you can see the individual chain mail on his foot mm. mm-hmm. and that's 28 mil that's impressive yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Gorgeous. even this this fella here with the, uh, the bassinet visor raised on it as well. Mm. And just just beautiful, beautiful sculpts. And because they do small... I love that guy. <laughs> uh, small amounts. I mean, he's even got, you can see the spur from mm. where he's oh, yeah. quite mounted on the back of his heel. Um, mm-hmm. Because they do limited sculpts, they they all tend to be unique. Um, so these are really good for doing for hearth guards or for doing you know sort of single yeah. units that you won't often see. Um, a lot of them on the the tabletop, so you can have your English archers for your full on Robin Hood feel, mm-hmm. if that's mm-hmm. the sort of style yeah, you want. To like go. the way that I I kind of approach anything when whenever you see stuff from V and V is this: you don't use it to make well, you could obviously, but you don't use it to make up the entire of your force, mm-hmm. but you use it to make 
for example, your plastic or metal range look mm. a little bit more unique to everyone yeah. else's on the table. So you have a set of, yeah, you have a set of English archers, but then you put these guys in because they're different from all the other plastic sets that everyone else has. And then someone goes, oh, that was cool. It's just sprinkles on the top, isn't it? A bit more customization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, shall we have a look at the Crusades? Yes, please. I know you're a fan. (laughs) Where do you want to start? I thought you would never ask. The the Crusaders (laughs) themselves then or the armies of Islam? Um, Go to the Crusaders first. Okay. Okay. So the Crusaders are... I would say they're they're more Teutonic. I know they have a set painted like Teutonic knights, mm-hmm. but they feel more Northern Crusades than um, the sort of Southern or, or Holy Land Crusades, simply because of yes. some of the the styling it, on their helmets. I suppose. Yeah, it's got that Germanic mm. kind of thing going on there, hasn't it? So yeah, but you also have some fantastic bits and pieces like the pilgrims pilgrims are so good yeah and you know i'm not saying these would be perfect for something Uh, like saga but (laughs) there is a a unit of 12 fanatical pilgrims that you can buy as a mercenary force for your crusader Uh faction uh in saga if you want to do that (laughs) so if you want to have you know uh peter the hermit's pilgrim crusade you could do that as well or if you just want to populate your tabletop with some angry mobs of peasantry yeah very um, true yeah. i mean some are obviously more uh i suppose religious based than others mm-hmm. you've got mm-hmm. you know cross wielders and the like but at the same time they they are just a very angry bunch of ladies at a child a mob of angry ladies hmm. it, never somebody up. You know, nothing more dangerous on a battlefield nope <laughs> so Give somebody a, a spear or a knife and then a man to poke it at and okay. then find out how vicious they can be. Well, that's the thing. You need one thing and that's it. Vision. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. <laughs> Away you go. <laughs> but the, the Crusader set, apart from the um, the pilgrims, you also have things like sergeants at arms. So, oh, yes. again, these have more a Northern Crusade feel, um, especially with the, the style of helmet or perhaps later Crusades. Mm. Um, so these will work for military orders as well as being just sort of yeah. mounted sergeants. Um, uh, choose sort of, your favourite yeah, way of painting well. their tabards, uh, yeah. tabards and shields, and you're away. So, yeah. Can you jump into the Islam army, sir, till we get a look, Jerry? I can indeed. So... Going with this, then we have uh, a smaller selection. So at the moment, we've just really got the, the two Ab- infantry packs, the Ab- yeah. infantrymen, but yeah. it does mean we can bring up some of these mm. a bit bigger and uh, mm-hmm. have a look at them. And you can see again things like the detail, apart from on his little fur uh, hat, you can see he's got lamellar scale armor on him, mm. yeah, nice. uh, which is just beautiful. Tell me this whenever you guys look at a mini for the mm-hmm. first time. Right, the first part of the mini that I always look at, and it's completely um, subconscious. It, it, it just happens. I always look at the face first. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and for some reason, I'm always drawn into uh, to the face. Now it must be a, a an evolutionary thing for yeah. you know of humans. You just are always you're checking the most expressive part mm-hmm. um, uh, first and foremost. But it, it's you know it's uh, I always seem to zoom into the face first, and that's why whenever a face is super expressive and whenever the sculptor has really captured uh, an expressive face, you know, a very recognizable face. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Like, like that may as well be Osama bin Laden right there. Look at him. <laughs> Look at him. 
Yeah. It does. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's one of those things. <laughs> it's so it's, cool. We always say faces and bases are the most important part of a miniature um, when yeah. you're painting it because you can get away well, with doing a lackluster yeah. job on the painting on the robes mm-hmm. and like. And likewise, if you compare miniatures from multiple companies, Footsore, V&V, Foundry, you know, whoever it happens to be, Avon Post. Yeah. It's the faces that will differentiate it because you'll see the same armor, you'll see the same equipment on all of those companies. Yeah, you're right. And what makes one company stand out from another is the 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 style of sculpting and the level of detail you see on the faces. Yeah, mm. very much so. Until you yeah. paint the eyes, and then that's it. Never paint the eyes. Yeah. Never paint the eyes. Just paint the just eyes. wash the face and leave it be. <laughs> highlight the cheeks. Highlight the brow. Boom, boom, boom. Done. Can't can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> but again. The, uh, even though it's a small selection, it's a very nice, uh, well-detailed selection. And again, could, yeah. could go in as hearth guard, or you could use them as standard warriors, yeah. depending on how you're feeling. Mm. I've seen I've seen some people using them sort of like away from the idea of it just being crusadey stuff as well, mm. and they've done them as like sort of uh, Arabian pirates and that kind oh, of yeah. thing too. So having them on the back Make of ships and stuff, perfect assassins. Too. Yeah, you know, heck, I would even consider putting these guys into a game of Infinity. You know, give, uh, give them a hack Islam, do some conversion work that on them. Could you know? Stick some guns on them. Yeah. Get <laughs> you yeah. can get bash, yeah. yeah. I would actually say with some of the more recent kits they've done, especially for the 28 mil range, uh, they've decided to put in like, occasionally the kit will come with like two guys that will have different weapon options. So up until like, I think it was a couple of months ago, a lot of the time it was basically what you see was what you got effectively. Mm. But now they've started to do it, but, like you can change this guy's spear to a sword, for example, or this guy doesn't have to have a shield. He can have another weapon and that kind of thing. So they are sort of reaching out to do a lot more bits and pieces for that and things. So it's pretty cool. Um, and this is the range that uh, Lloyd should really be here for, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd will get to see this. So his, yeah. his favorite, the, he will the and he will immediately buy all of these oh. and Harold Hudrada. <laughs> it's it's almost like I've opened them deliberately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost. But there you have like the ringing guard. Grief, that's beautiful there, isn't Stunning. it? Yeah. yeah. And he's not a patch on the last Viking. Oh. Uh, and there he is oh, being in his younger days before he came up to be murdered in uh, parts of uh, of England, he was uh, a young. Before being murdered at Stamford, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a young <laughs> dude there. Yeah. Gotta yeah. say, yeah. yeah, yeah, loving life. Can't wait to see what someone does That's with uh, either freehand or a transfer on that shield. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. You know, I'd be a big proponent for just sticking a transfer on it, mm. um, just because who who's got time for freehanding? <laughs> I don't. I don't have time to prime them, never mind put transfers on them, to be fair. There's always something else to buy instead. But the <laughs> the, the busies are a, a beautiful, beautiful mm. set of miniatures, including yeah. the likes of the Cataphract, um Cavalry as well. So oh. they've got quite a lot of those. Uh, they are just to die for. I love the... Uh, I mean, the horses are very high detailed as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that is the first heavy shock cavalry. Well, they're not the first, but the cataphract was the first. One of the most famous ones, I should say, as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a stunning collection that like as Jerry was saying, one of the things they they seem to do quite a lot of is they they look at what's out there and they'd be like, hmm, we're collecting an army of that. 
let's make some miniatures that would suit it. Um, so it, it's it's very nice to kind of like follow the zeitgeist of what's happening in a historical mm-hmm. wargaming world. And then you will yeah. probably see them redo it <laughs> in some fashion. So like if Fireforge bring out a big plastic set of Byzantines, oh, look, V&V have done some lovely Byzantines to go alongside them. Yeah. So yeah, it's very mm-hmm. cool. So, yeah. so Jerry, that's yeah, our 28 now. That's can our 28. We, can we kick it up a scale now? We can, we yep. We can have a wee look at the 40s. So, 40 mil, a um, bit bigger, more in keeping with GW sort of sizing, mm-hmm. um, but it does lend itself to doing some more interesting paint job. And also, if you're getting into your skirmish, mm-hmm. uh, there can be some interesting bits and pieces. Similar in some respects in that the Vikings, I think, and the Anglo-Saxons were the first range for both of them, but then they've kind of deviated, so you don't always have nice. the same. Um, Chinese is relatively small. It's just a big artillery piece at the moment, <laughs> but it's nice seeing some unusual pieces, I suppose yeah. you'd say, mm-hmm. and especially um, the the Imperial Chinese armies are something you don't see a huge amount of Armors, in yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, so then seeing things like a rocket battery. Yeah. About a millennia before Napoleonic rocket batteries cropped up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's certainly one way of doing it. <laughs> I quite like that one of the things that I, that's nice about this is that like the, the scale has increased, but then they've obviously taken into account proportions really yeah. nicely. So they're still going with that true look to things. And can I see so the ancient feels Egypt? Human, so. I so the, the reason they've done like a really cool chariot for that one. So this particular yeah. range, Jerry, is the revival of the old world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I know everybody will be going digging out their old Warhammer armies. Are you going to make a Chem Reforce? Let's not do that. <laughs> let's, let's do alternative armies. Look at that. They're How cool, cool is that? They're oh, great, yeah. aren't they? I also like the fact that Egypt was a, a substantial empire, uh, bringing many various peoples in. So it's not just mm-hmm. one uh, ethnic type. Ethnic type. Yeah. Um, you've, you've got the, the sort of the various sort of. That's awesome. Libyan sort of feel and then down the way Through to the Ethiopian. Ethiopian. And yeah. yeah. So you, you've got those in there and you've got different sort of body styles. I mean, this rotund looking, stocky, <laughs> stocky figure. Somebody sits, who's, sits who's, at the back with his bow because that's probably better than running around yeah, on the, yeah. in the desert. The official <laughs> Egyptian term for him was gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I can see that. I I am always reminded when I look at Egyptian stuff that they were so ancient. Because you whenever you look at whenever you look at like, for example, Total War example, Mm. Egypt is there, but it's not the same Egypt that you would remember from like history books and stuff, because that Mm. Egypt was so old that the Romans were going to Egypt as tourists to see the ancient pyramids and stuff, which I think is just insane how old they are as a my little boy constantly tells me and it's it's one of his most fascinating facts that cleopatra is closer to us on the timeline than she was to the great pyramids amazing isn't it they're coming at you extraordinary (laughs) have i ever told you guys about the bodhi tribe no no i I want to say yes (laughs) (laughs) but go right ahead So the Bodhi tribe, Jerry, if you, if you, if you do a search for Bodhi tribe, mm-hmm. the Bodhi tribe are my new uh, brothers from another mother. Okay, right. It turns out, Free, Go that on, in on. the Bodhi tribe, um, uh, the bigger 
and the fatter you are, the more attractive you are. Okay. And you get you, your big is beautiful, but only in the men, apparently. Okay. And these dudes, look at him. Look at him. Look at right. Do you see that picture there with the three dudes? Right. Okay. Up, Jerry, up a little bit. There's three dudes standing one there, one beside each other. That's them, right? So what happens then is oh, these guys go into they go into training. I can't open that. Okay. I can't do it to myself. No, no not a good conscience. But yeah. <laughs> so they go into training, okay, uh, to become the, the the biggest dude. Okay. Mm. And um uh, what they do is they sit in a tent, okay, for six months drinking a combination of uh milk. What is coming out of that man's belly? Go back one journey. <laughs> I think it's I think it's just the, the, the drinking. It, it was a head. It was it was like a crazy guato kind of a thing from uh, from um what's that Schwarzenegger movie? Totally oh, cool. Yes. Anyway, so they drink this blood and milk mixture. Okay. Yeah. Look down there. What? 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 Yeah, just, I think it's just, it's, a yeah, show, right? it's just a photoshop of his head again. Yeah. All right. Okay. I thought. Oh, okay. So it's not a real thing. Then. No. That's okay because uh, because he would have won. He would have won. <laughs> so, but anyway, whoever comes out the, the biggest dude, okay, um, basically they all get crowned as heroes or something of the tribe, um, and then the biggest dude is is like the ultimate hero of the tribe. Oh. Now, the beauty of this is right. I'm getting my plane tickets ready. <laughs> These guys don't have a patch on me. I don't need to uh, to sit and drink blood with milk to look like that. I just seem to naturally do it by looking at food. So this is I'm I could be a god. Uh, the, the, I would the, be the, the great white whale of the Bodhi yes, tribe. The Mori Death <laughs> of the Bodhi tribe. Imagine here it was good enough. For um uh, for Queen Elizabeth's husband, um uh, so what's what was his name again? Am I losing my mind? <laughs> Prince Philip. It was good enough for Prince Philip to go over and be worshipped. Okay, so it's good enough for me. I will head over there and uh, we will have a big collective man hug of me and all the other Bodhi warriors. Yes. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. I'd feel right at home there. So, and I can introduce them to, you know, upgrades on the whole, you know, the whole blood and milk thing. Potato oh, yeah. crisps. Potato crisps. You know, crisp can buddies. introduce them to potato crisps. Yeah. Guinness. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, some yeah. of, some of the, the, the finest uh, kind of uh, cheap chocolates and, and stuff that you, yeah. that you can eat in bulk. And yeah. And Pizza. Warren single-handedly destabilized a tribe of people with <laughs> with a box of sausage rolls. I can't, be, I can't be one hundred percent certain, but I think Peter Griffin did that in Family Guy. <laughs> Following in the footsteps. Same. Well, there we go. Bodhi tribe is my is my new love. Uh, so. It's, it's really um, nice, going back to this, but it's really nice seeing this the whole sort of Aztecs and mm. conquistadors thing because that's becoming much more of a thing yeah, yeah. nowadays. Like, obviously, we're seeing War Games Atlantic doing that, uh, War of Games are doing their uh, Mythic America stuff as well. So, mm -hmm. a lot of people looking to to do alternative periods of history and Come alternative on. Let's call a spade a spade. They're running out of periods to cover. <laughs> well, exactly, okay? yeah, yeah. So it's but, only a matter of time before me and Jerry get the Williamite Wars. <laughs> but, like, I, I genuinely think there may end up being sort of periods of burnout for a lot of stuff. Like, uh, we've, always, we've always said that historical periods within wargaming go within phases. 
And yeah. I think that's I think that's that's the way. In some ways, tied to a little bit of burnout because people are like, okay, yeah, we've played too much Dark Age. If such thing could be a, could be mm. done, uh, but now let's go and try something else. And I think people are really enjoying the fact that they can go off and paint different and interesting things, like going and doing an Aztec army because you've never looked at painting something like that before and things, or going and exploring, you know, an entirely different and almost, well, as we would see, insignificant war, which in actual fact was incredibly significant to, for example, the formation of South Africa mm. or South America or, or like how China came to be and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are broadening their horizons when it comes to story, historical wargaming. And Those stuff like nights the things we see from are incredible. Yeah. They remind me of the kind of things that you get from the museum, museum when you go to the shop. gift shop and you're like, ooh, yeah. a knight. You don't need it, Ben, but it's a knight. I will spend my hard-earned pocket money on this. <laughs> ooh, a shot. crusader of some description. Mm. And, and the choice is up to you depending on what colour you paint that uh, That's cool. cross. And, uh, mm-hmm. cross. If you're a good person, then you paint it black and white. Don't paint it red and white. <laughs> sure. Nobody likes the Templars. Everybody <laughs> likes the Templars. I don't know where you get these ideas from. They were bad people. <laughs> <laughs> they were no worse that, that than any just, of the others. True, that was true, just r- Rome's propaganda, man. <laughs> the, Templars, the Templars were very yeah, good. That, that, was, uh, that was the French. That was uh, King Philip needed to restock his coffers. So he started that. Mm-hmm. I think they were bad people bad probably applies to pretty much every civilization mm. that it has ever existed, but yes. <laughs> Gary, we can knock up one more scale as well. We can. Can. Oh yep. my God, so. just quickly, just look at these Gaelic, because, oh my God, they look amazing. <sighs> so if you look, wanna, how cool is that? So, so this is, if you want your Asterix and Obelix fighting yeah, Caesar, yeah. these are ideal for that. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. And again, it's, it's 40 mil, so it's wargaming scale, but it shows yeah, that yeah. if you just want to do also, they do Romans, so yeah, you could have actions. Romans versus the, you know, the Gallic tribes mm-hmm. with yeah. these sets of miniatures and just do it on a smaller scale, couldn't you? So. What was with the crazy pants on the last guy? What was with it? They're, they yeah. were very big fans of stripes and checks and plaids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for the sartorial elegance of the Celts. They weren't as barbarous as Romans that people believe. They yeah. were very mm-hmm. fine craftsmen and loved a bit of bling. Took a long time doing the hair before battle as well. They were very straight up on it. They were effectively the Bay City Rollers of their time. They were very much, <laughs> the <Bay City> Rollers. <laughs> very much. But yeah. If uh, if we jog on then, so the fifty four mil, mm-hmm. technically you could use them for some big skirmish games, but these really are just very diorama based stuff. Hinders yeah. pieces ah, more yeah. than anything else. Okay. Or oh, the roses stuff. Amazing. We'll have a look. Oh. Wow, that's done. okay. So say these are the ones that you, you see sometimes on Facebook where mm. some guy in the middle of Russia that you've never heard of before has painted it in the most beautiful fashion. That, those are the ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where every, and has, every has won a billion painting thread. competitions. <laughs> yes. Every individual thread is seen. All the yeah. stitching is there and all of the intricate so detailing. Nice. Yeah. Oh, the, the billmen for the Wars of the Roses are... B&V are just showing off now, really. Yeah, they're, like they're doing the, equivalent of the metaphysical wheelies up and down your street uh, with these models. Yeah. And so I like the fact that they've gone, oh, I want to do Roman, want to do some... Uh, Let's just do a Sumerian. Thing, and then we'll, we'll throw a Sumerian in. Nice. Because you know, uh, why not? Why not just go biblical with your... Uh, really cool. Yeah. Your 54 mil figures. And again, well, unlikely to be picked up for gaming, but perhaps 
somebody wants to have some extravagant piece of statuage on their mm-hmm. tabletop. I mean, the the Norman and the War of the Roses stuff there would be ideal if you're playing sort of yeah. uh, World War Two even or doing like uh, Invasions of England. Yeah, have it on a big plinth. Get get chipping away at all that high quality resin. Yeah, boots. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we could oh. sit here and spout superlatives of this V and V stuff all day, but there's not much to be said having seen that you know you, you're you're now getting into your pinnacles of the end of the week if you want to add something beautifully special to your army v and v or v miniatures.com go and uh, go and check it out jerry is it is it time for ben to tell us some news it is indeed coming to you from the center of northwestern europe Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that sh- you love. It's the Muck News. <laughs> Diving into the news for this week, we're going to start off with something uh, a little bit of like quick news, I guess you'd say. Um, you may have remembered a couple of months ago now, probably, we talked about Sludge or Sludge Wars from uh, Metal King Studios and Sean Sutter. Well, the rules for that are now actually fully available as part of Blaster Volume 3. Um, which is a collaboration between Sean Sutter and a whole bunch of famous faces. So you've got Ash Barker in there, you've got Josh McC- uh, Joseph McCullough and all that sort of, all those wonderful chaps in there as well, putting together some fantastic content for their games. Um, so the sludge rules, the full rules are there for you to play out this absolutely awesome looking game. Uh, I think they called it sort of like Turnip, what was it? Turnip Turn- 28. Turnip 28 is the kind of the genre for this. So it's sort of all weird vegetation and mud, roots and blood and all that kind of thing, uh, sort of set in a kind of black powdery world with um, sort of flintlock guns and pikes and swords and dirty armour. Uh, but if you're interested in that game, then the rules for that are now available as part of Blaster Volume 3. In addition to that, uh, if you want to get some exclusive additional content for a bunch of other games done by these individuals, uh, you, then you'll find expansions for Rangers of Shadow Deep in there, Frostgrave and Frostgrave Ghost Archipelago, Archipelago, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, This Is Not a Test, Gaslands, and Gamma World. So all of those games have got additional content as provided as part of Blaster Magazine, as you can see there, which can be bought from uh, Drive Through, mm-hmm. uh, Drive Through RPG downloaded or you can order a proper lovely soft cover version of the book as well slightly expensive but if you are into you know picking up very nice indie stuff for your hobby collection then this is a a very very good magazine to go and check out um been two issues before this which were jam-packed full of stuff uh but uh yeah if you want to see how sludge wars expands go and check this out and see what you think do me a favor ben yes what is Sludge Wars? And what the hell is Turn of 28? Okay, well, you'll need to go back and watch our Indie of the Week from a few months ago. But, but right. it, uh, making sure that I don't just completely rehash what we did in our Indie of the Week section. Okay, yeah, yeah be brief. Yeah, it's a, a new war game that had been done by Sean Sutter that is kind of based around the idea of sort of dark, gritty well, grim, dark style war on the tabletop that is very focused on the idea of hobby being the center of the game as well. So it's all about conversions and tweaking and messing with things and using historical kits and mashing them together with fantasy ones. And by the sort of like moniker of Turnip 28, which is another game going to be sort of set within this genre, it's all about sort of, as I say, dirty, hellish battlefields that have been sort of rocked by sort of post-apocalyptic style events 
You take and John Blanche's artwork. Yes. You and take like Napoleonic to eleven. Yeah. yeah. You, you take Napoleonic miniature. You take mm. a root vegetable. Yeah. Mash them together. And you mash them together like a Swede. So <laughs> it's like deathcore of Krieg merged with potato. Yeah. Yes. So, exactly. So, yeah. so you remember That's those d- those Dead Walker zombies we saw of a cursed city not too long ago with all the roots poking through them and that kind of thing. Yeah. That aesthetic tied into that sort of Napoleonic y So where does the turnip and the potato fit into all that? That's because of the hot in the other game, which is that turnip twenty eight game, they really went for that aesthetic much more than in sludge. So like all of the knights and stuff are actually kind of like part human and part vegetable. So they have like a carrot head that's also mixed into their sort of mutated human body that is then bolted onto their armor and all sorts of different things like that. Yeah, here you go. Here's yeah, yeah. The, the, the artwork that we saw when we looked at it in, in the end of the week. It's a very, very unique, um, I guess you'd say subgenre, hmm. kind of like grimdark. Uh, that right. I think is really. I have totally got this. Table, so. Yeah. so it's Wurzel meets yes. Deathcore of Krieg. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. I'm totally into this. Yeah. I am totally into this. Yeah. This looks amazing. So yeah, if, if you are into pick playing the game that comes with that sort of aesthetic in the hobby, then go and check out. I love the whole idea of dirt and twigs. And oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Wurzel and Deathcore. In fact, it's probably everything I've ever liked in my life. You've been missing so, out. You need to go and watch that Indie of the Week section, yeah. man. So. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go and get the rules, man. I'm going yeah, to get the rules. Get yeah, yeah. A lot of catching uh, up to do. But yeah, the, the, it's great to see another issue of Blaster because it's it's a great tome for that particular little art house collective of yes. game designers. And it is a case of when we have stuff, we'll publish one. So mm-hmm. you're, you're not going, well, we're going to get one every quarter. It might be every quarter. It could it's be when it's ready. It's when it's yeah. ready, when they've got something worth putting into it and they've enough mm-hmm. together. Um, so they are little... Uh, little slices of loveliness as and when the creators feel the urge mm-hmm. and and not being stuck on a, a publishing schedule or a time That's schedule better. means they're not having to just fill it with trash to get it out yeah. the door. Yeah. They can make sure that everything that goes in there is appropriate and lovingly crafted mm-hmm. and, and worthwhile for their, their relevant yeah. player base. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely worth picking up. What's uh, up next? So going from one grim dark world to mm. another, uh, we got a little bit of an update from the folks at Games Workshop as to what's happening with Warhammer, the old world. Um, probably fed up of people like me saying that we want this to be in 10 mil. Uh, <laughs> they decided that they would set the record straight, as it were, and they've put together an update on what's going to be happening with the Warhammer, the old world project in the next, I'm going to say, probably two years uh, as it sort of runs up to that date. I don't think we're going to be seeing it anytime soon. So, Spark Notes. It's going to be 28 mil miniatures, not 12 or 15. Boo. Here, let me, let, let me do this. I've got this. I've got this. So they've come out and they've said, right, this is going to be super innovative, guys. Like, I mean, you, completely innovative look at the old world. Um, but it's keeping the same bases, it's keeping the same scale, it's keeping the same minis, and it'll be a, a, it'll be a combination of rules from third to eighth edition. So yes, you may have seen it all before, but it's going to be super innovative. Well, yes. So yeah. So so twenty eight mil square bases, still going to be a mass battle ranked game, as you mm-hmm. will have seen from Warhammer in the past. Um, 
And as Warren was saying so eloquently, it is going to be a mix together of all sorts of different things from the melting pot of the different editions of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, which did make some people very, very happy, especially when they started talking about things like Hobgoblins, Centaurs, and all that kind of thing. Um, but the thing that I am really excited about for this, not the fact that I'm just going to be able to use my old, old dwarves, but it's going to be set 700-ish years before the end times and Karl Franz. So this isn't going to be set in the old world as we knew it from 8th eighth, eighth edition, as it were. It's actually going to be set during the time of Magnus the Pious and the, the, that great invasion of chaos. And how? So this is going to start with the, um, the War of the Three Emperors and their sort of battle for control of the empire and then sort of come to a head with, I would hope, Magnus the Pious becoming the first emperor and holding back the Great Chaos Invasion and then settling the empire as we know it now. Now, this obviously means that they can look to expand existing, well, existing factions within the law that haven't necessarily been done properly in terms of miniatures. So we kind of had some stuff done for things like Storm of Chaos in the past uh, for the likes of Kislev, but they're obviously getting a really big sort of redo. Um, Cathay has also been um, teased. So that's sort of like ancient China done for mm. Warhammer. Obviously, they, I said they've talked about things like hobgoblins and centaurs and all that kind of thing. So that's really looking towards things like chaos dwarves and a lot more to do with uh, the fight between Kislev and 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 everything beyond that in the and sort of like the chaos the chaos waste to the north. This does also mean that we're going to be looking at things from a very different perspective within the empire. Like a lot of people were pointing out, a lot of the innovations that you've seen within the empire um, as of sort of one fancy battle, I guess you'd say sort of like maybe six through to eight, maybe even a little bit older than that. Mm. You had things like steam tanks and Hellblaster body guns and all that kind of thing. That kind of stuff might not exist. That might, that might be innovations that are going to be put into the play. Well, that was innovations that were put into play later on in line. Whether or not they bring it in in a gaming sense, I don't know. So maybe we're going to see the way that they tackle the Empire differently. That could be quite cool. I'll go one step further. Go on. If, if they're thinking about black powder, I'd like to point out humans don't have magicians. During yes. the War of the Three Emperors. They don't, no. no. They, they don't get time. them until the elves come over during yeah. the, the uh, Magnus When Teclis goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Invasion, whoa. <laughs> of, um, invasion of the North as they're attempting yeah. to force back chaos. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go that far back. I think the uh, War of the Three Emperors and stuff will be expanded in the fluff, but you'll still get a very... I think they'll do it sort of like Magnus the Pious plus more. They've, they've, yeah. They've said your old armies will still be fieldable. If they mm. suddenly go, it's this period, uh, they don't exist, they don't exist, they don't exist. The, you don't have any of those. Who wants to play an empire army without magic in a, in a fantasy game that contains a You're lot right. of magic? You'll get ruffle stomped so quickly. If you want to do that, just play the Italian Wars in historics if you don't want magic in your game. Well, that's true. Yeah. So so I don't think they'll push but, that far back. I think that'll just be the background to bracket it so people have a, mm. an idea of the setting and then they'll yeah. push it on from sort of Magnus's the, invasion. The other thing is that if they, and this is where I'm, fingers, I'm crossing my fingers a little bit more, if they do set it during that time of the Three Emperors, as we've kind of seen the different logos on the map and mm. stuff, if that is still our thing, then one of the things that everyone has been waiting for is for them to redo more time more time was still around during that period of the three emperors and was only burned by Magnus after he became, well, after he went on his crusade around the empire mm -hmm. uh, and then headed up north. So if they're looking to bring back a beloved skirmish game, that would be a good opportunity to do it. And, you know, Games Workshop like selling miniatures off uh, nostalgia. I know I've been hit by that. So if, if this is definitely, if that's what they're sort of aiming for in terms of time period, I think we might be seeing something like that coming up as well. 
Briscoe. I've got something to say. Go on. Of course. (laughs) Cue appropriate music track. Games Workshop. (laughs) We've been together a long time. We've been through a lot. A lot of it was great. Some of it not. But we've been through a lot. It's not you. It's me. I'm sorry. But I can't do this anymore. I have now discovered turnips and potato (laughs) men fighting on crazy battlefields. (laughs) So you can take your 700 years prior to the old world destruction and enjoy it by yourself because I'm going to the land of turnips and potato men. And remember, it's not you. It's me. Peace. There, I'm done. <laughs> well, that was a nice breakup. That was good. Yeah. Oh, that was. I think that was really civil. Yeah. I really and now it. everyone in our community will remember that. And then when when the old world comes around, we'll see whether or not Warren makes an army. But oh yeah, <laughs> Warren has armies. That's true. I yeah. have armies galore of the old world mm. that I've been rebasing to fucking ruined bases. <laughs> see, this is what I don't understand. Is this the only reason that we're staying with Square? Just uh, just to kind of make sure people can keep the old ones. Is that the reason? No, it, it it's, it's for the rank it's, and file. Yeah, it's specifically for the games so. mechanics. Yeah. Was it always square? Yeah. 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 Because it makes ranking up a lot easier. Obviously, they tried different things with uh, War of the Ring. It's, but, it's, yeah. It's uh, not just that. It's, you know, get defining angles and line of sight and stuff. It's is much, much easier, easier with squares. <laughs> the, 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 the difficulty I have, right, is maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I'm Irish. Maybe I just love potatoes and turnips, right? It, I, I can't rule that it's out. Factor, yeah. I can't rule that out. Okay. <laughs> I look like a man that loves potatoes and turnips, you know? So you know, I'll accept that. But in about 30 seconds of you describing to me that there was a potato and turnip man <laughs> war game, and then you and Jerry were just talking about the old world there for like, what, an hour and a half? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's like... <laughs> It's, a, it's okay, it Warren. Don't worry. It's, okay. it's, it's years out yeah. before we see any of this. Yeah. And it's probably going to be from Forge World, and it's probably going to be ridiculously uh, expensive. Yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? Okay. But anyway. So you're telling me I'll never be able to afford it, so don't worry about it, old wars. Yeah, very much so. That'll do. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And if What's you really next? want... Uh, and if you really want to play some Warhammer-y stuff, then obviously either use your old exist- existing editions. I still have my old book on the shelf. I can still play Dwarves if I want to. And also, there are billions and billions of 10 and 12 mi- uh, millimeter miniatures out there for you to play Warmaster-style games on the tabletop as well. Um, so, yeah. Or have at it. you could go and find some nice little resin conversion bits of potatoes and turnips. And, and, and play around and with that, start sticking them on to your old Warhammer armies, and let's take them into battle in Sludge Wars. <laughs> Sea foam eyelashes and tufts of grass are your friends for those conversions. And just go nuts with those. But now now Warren has officially broken up with Games Workshop live on the internet. 
Uh, <laughs> Jerry's going to tell us All a little bit about it. was a potato and turnip man. Very true. I'm embracing my rural lifestyle these days, guys. I am, I am farmer Warren. <laughs> I am farmer Warren. I am actively working on Farm Wars 1.0 right now. Who He who plows fastest plows hardest. Please tell me that you have put your gun in, your uh, special gun with the lace pointer <laughs> that you should be putting in. <laughs> It should totally. be an equipable weapon. It oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's it, it, it proper armed up combine harvesters of various generations. I have been learning about the little grey Fergie tractors that then uh, the, the bigger ones now called Massey Ferguson's been going way back. I, I'm getting the whole lot done, man. And do you want to know what? Are you going to do a collaboration said- on Amazon with Jeremy Clarkson? I may well do, but 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 based on our discussion today, I was thinking maybe I should set it seven hundred years before the agricultural revolution. You know, one way of doing it. (laughs) That way, we don't have to have field wizards. You know, hedge wizards. Hedge wizards are a thing. Uh, But anyway, Jerry is going to tell us about overdrive. I am intended by overdrive. Because we've looked at this uh, a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago with the, the pre, well, the sort of preview. The, the preview, yeah. So it is now officially available to uh, pre-order if people are interested in getting their hands on it. Um, in I believe it comes out in September. The reason the pre-order is this early is because if you pre-order, you're going to get funky little uh, resin markers for rush mm-hmm. and turn. Um, that won't be in the, the sort of standard edition. Yep. But it's coming to the fore for this uh, sci-fi game of musical chairs, as I believe Rob Berman has described it, as the big giants <laughs> attempt to slap hell out of each other and score points in a variety of exciting and interesting ways. There is also going to be Tigrax uh, versus the Shadow, the first of the rival packs, and recently Rob has uh, mentioned that there will be 24 rival packs with 24 cool. rivals wow. in 12 okay. packs uh, spread out over the next year to year and a half so sort of every couple of months expect a rival pack that will shake things up a bit and change how you play your games of overdrive uh, it will be especially interesting when they start bringing these larger um, yes. giant models in because then we'll also be able to see them making the move into uh, Dreadball itself, so mm-hmm. it gives more variation to teams, new MVPs, that sort of thing. And also, mm-hmm. he was saying that this Indige on Tigrax um, may be making an appearance in Dead Zone as part of the Reb faction. Uh, okay, uh, not, cool. Not with the glove. They'll do a different <laughs> arm to have a weapon in there. But uh, potentially then we'll be able to see some of these things sort of cross-pollinate. I really like what they're doing with well, with all of their, their sort of games where they have these um, blending between the various things to increase the amount of backstory of the world that they've yeah. got uh, so that things from Overdrive feed into Dreadball and then they also feed into Dead Zone and Warpath and it just sort of enriches the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from the core game and the um, rival pack, there'll also be card decks for your league play. So this gives you sponsorships, new coaching abilities, and things like that to change up how bits and pieces work and to make sure that your coach is getting the best sponsorship deal for the best giants on the tabletop at the same time, Um, because you've got this whole drafting mechanic. So the way to make your guys stand out is by dropping in, uh, you know, some 
uh, Coke Prosperity Sphere bit of sponsorship, like a Nuka Cola <laughs> type thing, to make sure that you can afford the biggest and the best, or to make sure that uh, your guys have a, a bit of an edge when they come to playing some of the various types of overdrive games that are available. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I have some of the models already from Dreadball, and so other people have been saying this as well. I've already got some of the giants that are going to be in the box set from Dreadball. That just means if you get the game that you've got doubles, which means when you're playing the draft, you've got options off the back. Yeah, so you're not having true. to worry about mm-hmm. both people buying the core set. If somebody's already got a few of the giants and one person gets the core set, then you've got more models to play with and you can play like a clone variant right. as well. Um, they've also started doing some videos. So Rob and, uh, oh, I want to say it's Martin Thurl. Uh, have been doing a how to play overdrive, so breaking it down turn turn by turn and the various phases to show you the sort of different modes of play and the standard game and drafting and how you put yeah. your team together for overdrive. So if you've ever wanted to have some fast paced giant action as they pummel tar out of each other for points and for the appreciative applause of the crowd, uh, then it's probably worth having a look at. Also, giant shark man in armor, Warren. Just saying. I did notice that yes. that box has two things very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. It is a shark or osaurus. Yes. But Overdrive was also the name of my high school metal band. No way. Wow. Nice. Totally. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said for both, but it's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely the, the idea of you in a Lordy style dressed like a shark or osaurus while you know, jamming on electric guitar in front of the stage. <laughs> That's going to stay with me. Probably yeah. I, could, I could totally pull that off, man. <laughs> Imagine you could. I quite like the fact that the because obviously they've got the different giants that you can play and you've got the draft format as well, which is pretty mm. cool. But then I also like that the game modes are so different as well. So you've got yeah. lots of them very much inspired by kind of a lot of FPS games or that sure. kind of thing as well, like a lot of video games. So if you like things like King of the Hill and all that kind of thing, they've got those sort of built in. And then you've mm. got that overdrive mechanic, which is almost a little bit like an ultimate yeah. You're going to go for another video game thing as well. So hopefully it should be nice and fun and fast paced and stuff. I think they said the games play, play pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, once, once you yeah. know the rules, uh, they played through, I think five matches in a league format with a break for lunch uh, in one Saturday afternoon, a couple of weeks nice. ago at Mantic headquarters. So, and that was with them leveling up in between essentially cool. you know, getting the experience and doing all the bookkeeping parts. So it's not a, overly complicated game that's going to bog you down with a lot of nonsense it's all about getting a giant space squid to <laughs> mind beam a shark before a dwarf in an iron ancestor metal suit punches, smashes you into the ground punches yeah. a turtle in the face i mean why would you not no i, I mean we, we see a lot of this happening recently so you've got you obviously get a lot of infinity miniatures going into aristea and vice yeah. versa and you've got uh with weird games you've got the other side stuff coming out for malifaux sure. and i really like the shared kind of you can use them elsewhere mm. and i think that's brilliant and i'm i'm happy to see it coming from mantic as well yeah it's, it's it's particularly nice i think especially because warpath has kind of always been sort of like the game that sat alongside kings of war that and was never really fully fleshed out in as much detail as it could have That's been. Dreadball um, and Dead Zone are yeah. much more popular, much more fleshed out than the Warpath universe they inhabit, simply yeah. because they're easier steps in for people. You don't need mm-hmm. 50, 100, 200 figures on the tabletop. You can go, I'm going to pick three massive giants, and I'm going to pick them based purely on looks. Yeah. I don't care what yeah. their stats are. I'm going Space Squid, 
space That's shark, it. space turtle, and just <laughs> frolicking in the damp. Yeah. Because why not? You can't stop me. No. I, yeah. So, so yeah, ho- hopefully there's some of those things which will have more eyes on Warpath and that universe. <laughs> Obviously, as we've talked about in the past, they're still tinkering around the rules and doing lots of playtesting and that kind of thing. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be something that'll evolve into something a little bit bigger when it comes to them of, of approaching it as a mass battle game as well, I guess, in the future. But, uh, but yeah, Overdrive yeah. looks good fun. Does indeed. If you've been keeping your eye on upcoming board games as well, you're going to be delighted to know that Brew from Pandasaurus is finally available. So originally it was set to come out in June and it was highly anticipated. So it will provide players with a new world to just immerse themselves in and you've got to save the forest that is in complete disarray. So the nature that resides in has been completely twist turned upside down, not like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but it has been. <laughs> um, the the seasons, yeah, yeah. it does, it does. Sorry, but I couldn't resist. Uh, the seasons are all over the place. The inhabitants are really unhappy. The world's in tatters and two to four players can get involved and help save the wildlife realign the weather and bring harmony back to nature so all using beer oh well no not beer sadly you do not brew beer you brew potions which is just just as fantastical it would be a type of potion (laughs) it would be a very different game if you had to save the forest with pints (laughs) that's the the dwarven way (laughs) i was do you know i was living in hope free i was living hope because in xlbs tomorrow i'm going to be pitching to our cult of games members of uh i want to start a microbrewery Okay. I want to start a microbrewery and I want to see if there's any of my cult of games buddies out there that want to to pile in with me and start a microbrewery because I have an empty shitty old house. um, uh, But I'll tell you all about it tomorrow or Sunday. (laughs) I forget we go out on a Friday night. Yes. I'll tell you about it on Sunday. <laughs> it's not. Gonna there's be no that. beer in this game. I can't, I can't no. learn anything about microbrewing in this no. game. Then. No, sadly not. It's about brewing potions, so it's not going right. to be that easy either. So the timid creatures are actually quite scared and nervous about everything that's happening around them, and players have got to encourage them to enable them to kind of help really so the start of the game players have got to be quick to realize the forest is in complete disarray so both seasons and times are completely coinciding and it is causing a ridiculous amount of chaos so players do work together in favor of the forest using their dice to gather ingredients and concoct potions to heal the spaces of woodland and team up of course with whimsical residents and uh, manipulate the seasons as well so it looks really up my street. And as I've said, I've said about this to you guys before. The art style in this really screams Nino Cooney to me. The art is amazing. The art is beautiful. So it completely fits the theme of the game for me. So you've got the whimsical, colourful, adventurous feel um, and saving the forest. It also looks like it's asymmetric as well. Yes. The, the player you're, you're bringing on board has different skills. So you've got a, a bit of variety as well then. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you're playing through. It's it's uh, it's described as kind of a, a light to midweight game, and you can cool. see like the components consist of like, tokens, cards, dice, and it's a pretty big board as well. Which I found with this, I thought the board was huge. Um, so you might be able to manoeuvre this box quite easily uh, into <laughs> next game night as well. But it's going to be it is going to be a hard board game to get hold of at the minute because all pre-orders were maxed out on the Pandasaurus website. Uh, if you got it in time, of course they were. Yeah. Of course they were. If you got it in time, they were giving away a cheeky little expansion that's not been kind of nobody's really said anything about, which isn't available on retail yet. So well done for those who got their hands on it. But if you pick up Brew, please do let me know how it plays because. And uh, uh, <laughs> let me just check. And you're sure of no beer? 
No beer. No beer. No. Okay. No. no. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I like that the flip from day to night as well. Yeah, that's a great feature. It's Ooh. fantastic. But please do let me do know uh, mm. if you do play brew, because once I get my claws on it, um, I'm going to be certainly heading out to the woodland to save some happy little creatures and bring their home back to full restoration. So I can't wait to play that. So please do let us know in the comments. Looks really good. Yeah. Okay. Superb. Uh, I'm not quite as whimsical when it comes oh. to the things that I like. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? I'm across the old gamer. <laughs> However. <laughs> War Games Atlantic are forever bringing a smile to my face. And oh. they're doing something similar with the start of a new range. So uh, the range in question is Decline and Fall. Mm -hmm. uh, so they've named several of their ranges. And so things fit within these sort of categories. And we're going to be seeing the first box of late Roman legionaries. Uh, so this is a 24-man hard plastic multi-part kit. Oh. Heard. That was long. <laughs> So they've come with uh, the standard sort of get-up. So you've got the uh, chainmail, the Lorica Hamata, rather than the segmented uh, stuff that you would see in sort of Russell Crowe's Gladiator. But this is perfect for late Imperial Roman. Uh, so you've got your, essentially your decline and fall. So the, the collapse of the Western Empire before everything moves east and becomes Byzantine. So these are great for uh, playing in Britain against the Welsh, the Irish, the Picts, uh, or playing across Europe and even doing your sort of your uh, Sassanid and, and Persian battles with the um, uh, the Eastern Empire. And it's also the first box that we're going to see from the Romans. So they're going to do Romans like this. They're also going to do a goth box, uh, which we've seen some previews for with <laughs> archers, um, which will have about 30 men, multi-part as well. But they're also doing these new army builder boxes where it will contain mm -hmm. 60 models, but those 60 models will be uh, either uni pose or maybe the head will be separate or maybe an arm, that type of thing. So very easy to build mass. Like they did for their Napoleonic. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're Prussian. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's Prussian, might be an Austrian. Anyway, the, that was the first of these test builder boxes where you got six miniatures, 10 sprues. Uh, so same six repeated, but very, very quick to build up and, uh, and very effective looking. So you'll be able to use these to add a bit of variation or to add in your commands, that sort of thing, and then use those builder boxes to uh, sort of fire them out uh, to play your big games if you want to play things like Hail Caesar or um, sort of large-scale DBM, DBX, Art de la Guerre sort of style games. Um, but we see Matthew Leahy has been given free reign to paint up the, the test pieces again, and uh, he's achieved. I have a suggestion. Mm -hmm. It's a suggestion and a question. Yes. All wrapped up into one little cute package. You do. You go, go. Linda's farm took place in 793. So the Romans, the yeah, Romans yeah. evacuated from Britain. Mm -hmm. Then you had the Charlemagne period. And then after the Charlemagne period, you had the Vikings attacking Britain kind of era. Yeah. Yes. 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 Right. By seven. Now, I've watched the Vikings documentary TV series with Ragnar Lothbrok in it. So I know a thing or two about Vikings. But here's my question mm. 793, the Vikings, um, uh, the, by all accounts, their first recorded raid on the British Isles where they sacked Linda's farm. Okay. 
But by that stage, the Vikings already had, did they already have sagas and things like that? Were they already, a, did they, were they already a fairly ancient culture by that point? Uh, so what were the Vikings doing in the, the mid, early mid 400s? Were they just fighting one another? Um, uh, in, Pretty much, in yeah. They would have effectively been like proto-Vikings in many ways, sort of like Vikings, but not as you know them kind of thing. So that would have been sort of like the time period. Would that have been like Beowulf-y type? Yeah. Geats and that kind of thing. Yeah. So what if some of the Roman boats got (laughs) lost, all right, and landed in... Sfigurswald or whatever the hell you, you, you would call it. And they landed there and it was Romans versus Vikings. There's no reason why it can't. Um, obviously, obviously Roman, <laughs> Roman, both Roman and Scandinavian were trading all the time. Um, yeah. So there was contact. There, there grave goods and the like have been found that have come from the Mediterranean. So there they knew about each other and they were trading the whole kitten caboodle. Also, um, then they may um, well have had a scrap or two. They yeah, might they, have there's no reason why they couldn't have. Um, getting your hands on some proto-Vikings is probably going to be slightly trickier. I suppose uh, Saxons would do the job. It would, well, it would have been a lot more Saxons, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what, what is a proto-Viking then? You know, like, a, like what did, what did, a, what did a <laughs> I, Viking I just evolve? made up a phrase that will now... <laughs> <laughs> what did a Viking evolve that a Viking previously didn't have? You know, I, I would imagine a Viking was pretty well equipped even yeah. back then. You know, it's like, mm. like what, 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 what was he missing? Did it was it the Danax? Did he not have a Danax at that point? Their point of honestly, cut down trees. Yeah, they, they would have had axes. Yeah. Whether they would have used double-handed axes and fought in a similar way yeah. is another matter. You just get development. I mean, Saxons into Anglo-Saxons is, yeah. um, is a a couple of centuries and. Broadly speaking, they didn't vary hugely from when the Saxons arrived. Things like the the Viking shields were much larger than some of the uh, the standard round shields that you got from other peoples uh, in in around Northern Europe. So they the sort mm. of they developed these larger shields and and uh, I don't know no because they had the boar's head and Saxons, so shield walls and the like of a type existed. So yeah, it's it's really going to be small things, uh, things that people who are in depth into their history will go well they wouldn't have had those type of swords or maybe the their mm-hmm. armor wouldn't have been um quite as spread in the same way the irish had very yeah. little in the way of chainmail you may see chainmail restricted much more um, you see like, the people, thing so about so. historical gaming is look not all of history is written is no yeah. okay though there, there was stuff that happened that we don't know about and we'll never know about However, that that doesn't mean that historical gaming necessarily has to be completely pigeonholed into uh, the everything that we that we ba- cast iron know about. Okay, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, I'm always looking for on the edge of plausibility how you would get bust ups happening that that you wouldn't normally see. I've mm-hmm. never seen a battle of Vikings versus uh, Romans. But I would love to see a battle of Vikings versus Romans. Um, I think the the discipline of one side uh, versus the the ferocity of the other side could make for an amazing battle. But I'm trying to do it and still keep it kind of plausible. So I'm asking 
my fellow historically accurate historians here, right? Give me a little bit of slack here, guys. Okay, because what I'm trying to do is to uh, to to explore the what ifs and the possibilities, but you know, give them a little bit more latitude um, of of people uh, getting lost and uh, ending up in Scandinavia when they didn't expect that they were going to be there. So, yeah, certainly one way of doing it. What I will say is we kind of know how those battles would go because Rome just ploughed through everybody who fought with ferocity in the majority of cases, unless they got caught somewhere terrible. Like in They're going to win, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. the Romans yeah. are going to win. So. Oh, he's, he's swinging his axe around. Everyone form up. Every make, form sure up. He, make sure he gets tired and stab, stab him. Stab his friends. There is a little, while we're on the subject of um, War Games Atlantic, there, there's a little feature they added to their website ooh, two or three weeks ago. Right. Um, because they are constantly previewing stuff and stuff is being previewed and then other stuff's going into tooling, but then it's having to hold on while other tools are made to make best use mm-hmm. of the blah, 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 blah. So sometimes you see things and you go, when are they coming out? Yes. They have added uh, to their, their website a release schedule. Ooh. They literally go, if something is out of stock, it's when it's in stock, what boat it's on, and when it's due to land and port, nice. and if it's currently a new release, then they'll drop in here when it's being transported. So as you can see, um, Panzer Jäger and the late Romans have already landed in Australia because it's closest to their manufacturing. So mm-hmm. you can already buy those there, uh, whereas we have to wait until 8th of August, assuming mm-hmm. fair winds and nobody blocking the Suez again. So that's a yeah. nice little feature that I'm glad to see because uh, mm-hmm. constantly people are going, but when? Yeah. When? when are we getting the Aztecs? But when? But when? But when? Some, something goes right for the war game community in Australia, finally. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> God bless them. It had to happen sooner or later. So what's up next? Right. Then? What's next? Yeah, speaking of unmatched rivals, oh. have you ever wondered who would win in a fight between Bruce Lee and a punch of raptors from Jurassic Park? Or even Alice in Wonderland, can she actually take on Spike from Buffy? Or the oh-so-powerful demigod Achilles taking on Bloody Mary from horror. Well, but to be fair, you can start edging your bets that Achilles is going to smash for everybody because <laughs> Achilles, Yenega, 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 um, Sun Wukong, Bloody Mary are making their way into Unmatched from Respiration Games and characters diversify the game pool even further uh, in volume two. So if you've never come across Unmatched before, it's an asymmetrical miniature fighting game. Um, each hero's got their own unique deck and it's designed in their own style with their own legend. So you've got tactical movement, no luck combat, resolution creating a unique experience. So it's it's very, no matter, you can get used to one particular character, bring another character in, the game is completely different. So I might not be as clued up in characters of history as you guys, but Unmatched has been tempting me more and more with a cast Buffy staking their way up against Robin Hood and King Arthur, nice. but I was waiting for a release that was truly going to tickle my fancy, but I never did guess that a character immersed in rich history culture would have been pulling my arm to get me into the game. So Achilles was announced and I was like, dude, and then Patroclus was announced as sidekick and I was like, bruh, so I, I couldn't, I, 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 I was, I was blown away. So I've got to love that brutal team up anyway, especially if I get the chance to do it on a tabletop. So I buried my head in both the Iliad and the Odyssey and there was never going back. So let alone 
putting them both onto the tabletop and pitting them against Alice in Wonderland or Jekyll and Hyde. So the combinations are completely mind blowing. But there were announced that Deadpool's coming the way as well this mm-hmm. year, and there's no sign of him um, and the other flurry of Marvel characters that are supposed to be joining. So this game is just going to get bigger and bigger. Um, sit tight, they're going to be with us soon, and we're going to be able to create some really cool fights. So mm-hmm. Volume Two doesn't just see new characters as well; it's got a brand new battlefield, new mechanism coming as well. I can't tell you when they're coming, but I'm just over here getting excited about Achilles and Bloody Mary at the moment. <laughs> so, um, uh, but there's three warriors and one horror legend that he's joining. So, if it's little red riding it versus Beowulf, I'm yes. Yeah. It's a good combo, isn't it? But whoever's going to come out triumphant, it, it is completely unknown. So yeah. you can, I've just, I want to know for you guys, if you could have one fictional character against one historical character, who would you win? Who, who ooh, would you pick? Ooh, 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 Go ooh, on. Me. Who would you pick? Ragnar Lofbrook yeah. versus Maximus Decimus. <laughs> Medicinal. <laughs> Medicinal. Medicinal. Yes. Medicinal. I, I want to see, see uh, Connor McLeod. I want to see Highlander in there. Yeah. I think he would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Like, That'd really be awesome. Cool. Against who, though? Oh, Against, I don't know. You need a, an yeah. out there fiction. Bob Geldof. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be good. I'd love to see Spike during you know, Boxer Rebellion killing. Slayer's all round him, Spike, not Moby Emu Spike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike against Gandhi. Oh. <laughs> Jerry, Go Gandhi. that's a good... I just well, want are we Ch- talking about Spike the dog from no. uh, Tom and Jerry? No. no. Spike from Buffy. Spike the vampire. Mm-hmm. Buffy Spike. I think I just want to put Chuck Norris against there and just watch him win everything. Oh, I, no, nobody would win anything then. No, exactly. No, it's just like <laughs> Chuck Norris is on the table. Don't mind me. <laughs> the, the actual sets they've done for these are really well because it's all done through restoration games, which mm-hmm. they because they bought this because this game was um, based on an old format, I believe it was. I can't remember. What, I, th- I have inklings that it may have been like an old Star Wars game, mm-hmm. but they came back and they bought this and they sort of reinvented it as they do a lot of their different projects. Yeah, and this game has like exploded. Like yes. everybody is so into Unmatched because it's so quick and easy to dive into. As you were saying, for it's got that asymmetrical nature to yep. it because you can buy all these different expansions as well. You can just dive in and play it with just one versus one or two versus two, et cetera, and all that kind of thing, which is really, really cool. Like, I love that they were just like, people like raptors. Uh, let's do a box that includes two raptors versus uh, a park ranger from, <laughs> from Jurassic Park. Cool, go for it. Uh, let's do it. Let's do Beowulf uh, fighting who? Red, Red Riding Hood. Let's give that a go. Um, so, which I just think is amazing. Robin uh, Hood versus Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sam, I want yeah. Sam Neil. I think one, what's an amazing, oh, what I one. discovered is there is a huge tournament game out there for Unmatched yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely huge. So there's quite a demand about this. And I bet as soon as the Marvel characters get embedded, it's only oh, going to blow up even more. Yeah. It's only yeah. going to get bigger. So really, really cool stuff. Cobble and Fog, is that, well, that's... Um, Cobble and Fog. What do you call there's, them? Uh, there's Sherlock the Holmes. Man that's and the Victorian, yeah. yeah. the Victoriana. Yeah. They really yeah. are going all in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They've got wow. some King Arthur's in there as well, which is awesome. Merlin's in there as well. Uh, I've seen a game so much that it has so much in it that it gives you Owen Wilson. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a <laughs> it's a smorgasbord of copyright free um, <laughs> publications from the past brought back to the tabletop, which yeah. is really cool. So, yeah, so. Not yeah. a fan. Yeah. Very awesome. Good to see. Exactly. Um, right. So yeah, we Rang finished things off. off. Yeah, uh-huh. with Perry Miniatures, 
some lovely nice stuff so Perry Miniatures have released a couple more of their plastic sets Um, so they have recently released uh, two boxes of Prussian troops there Mm -hmm. are 32 miniatures within each of these sets they have been designed to give you Prussian infantry advancing and Prussian infantry skirmishing Uh, but the two different kits can be combined and bashed together if you prefer to get lots of different combinations Um, as I say 32 miniatures within each of these sets so you've got the bones of some fairly big units for you to play around with and each of them come with a different command sprues in there as well uh, they've all been designed for the franco-prussian war of 1870 to 71 and of course as you might imagine the folks at perry miniatures have uh, the twins have done some amazing research on these and put together some wonderful plastic kits um they, they continue to be some of the best on the market if you're going to be diving into doing a little bit of historical wargaming, especially mm. if you're doing things around kind of like the medieval period or sort of like this sort of Napoleonic plus era mm. as well. Um, some some stunning miniatures once again from them. Uh, just as an addition, if you're looking to pre-order them right now because they are, or are all available over on their web store, if you buy a bundle of them together, you could also get General Karl Friedrich von Steinmetz Mm. I'm probably butchered that last bit, but there we go. Uh, oh, <laughs> so okay. if you want to get that, you get a lovely metal miniature as well on top of all of that. And of course, who wouldn't want to pick up a Perry metal miniature? Because oh, yeah. they are awesome. So yeah, if you're looking to play the Franco-Prussian War, go and snap mm. this up and give it a go. I will also point out, as someone has also said in the comments, this is also very good if you want to try and put together a slightly quirky Imperial Guard force or Astra Militarum now, sorry, in one before 40,000. Take those bits, swap the gun, swap the rifles for las guns, and away you go. You've built yourself a new imperial army, much as we did with our sort of like uh, Brasonian force. Well, you know, let me let me give you just a wee tiny bit of uh, perspective here, okay? So you could spend in the region of twenty five quid or five guardsmen, mm. or you could spend twenty quid and get thirty nine exactly Prussians, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the that, choice seems is yours. Like, that seems like quite a difference to me. And you know what these would be good for? Turn up twenty eight. They would. Oh. They would very. Oh. They would be very good oh. for turn twenty eight. So. Boom! <laughs> wow! Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh! We turnips. get sponsored by Owen Wilson's Wow. I think. Do you know <laughs> what? Uh, turnips, <laughs> potatoes, free pumpkins and mushrooms. <laughs> Oh my god, you can have literally fun guy people. Yes. Yeah. Fun guys. You can have fun guys, yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. And I think I know a source for small mushrooms and small turnips. I will double check, but I believe on the OTT store that in the Green Stuff World thing, we have little resin conversion bits of uh mushrooms because i believed i used them in the hero quest build that i did mm-hmm. and i'm fairly certain that uh, there's uh little pumpkins and stuff like that as well so mm. very good it's like the pumpkin people we saw on spellcrow the other week exactly yeah. 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 yeah that's what i was after there there we go before we drop off completely from the perries mm-hmm um, if you're on their website and you were talking about the fact that they do a lot of research, they have color plates for the Prussian infantry regiments. So if you are choosing to paint these up, you can actually go in here and get essentially the painting guide that you need for specific, exactly what, the exact one specific you need, regiments. Yeah. Uh, so you get the facings, the colors and all the rest. So if you are mm. 
playing in the historical sense and you want to make sure that you have the right regiments in the right outfits for the right battles, then you can do that mm. for a very influential European war. Mm. More or less shaped Germany. And then add the and turnips and potatoes. Yes. Then add turnips and potatoes yes. on top. And you've got to the root of the matter. Oh, can't beat that one, Jerry, can you? I think let's just take a break right there while I bask, <laughs> bask in my glory. And we'll be right back with some Kickstarters. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim center over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. So before we get stuck into the Kickstarters, I've actually had a chance to play the first one uh, because they sent over a big box of Acid House Terrain and myself, Aston, cack-handedly assembled it to see whether or not even simians like ourselves could manage it. Uh, so you can take a look and see what we managed to put together. We've lost a Warren, but I've gained a Justin. Um, and we're going to be having a look at a, not a mat per se, although there are tiles in here, but it's the Acid House pop-up train set. Oh, so oh, I saw this on Kickstarter. Okay, I've been looking forward to seeing this. Mm. So this is the super size set, and it contains enough to make apparently a full six by four worth, and it folds back down into a box about the same size as, as one of those modern console things. But I was fascinated to see exactly what goes into this, mm -hmm. uh, and it does weigh a ton. I'm going yeah. to need you to give me a hand here. Whoa. So if we oh. pop that out, which side does it? it oh. Foldo openu. Yeah. Okay, wow. There is a lot in this mm. chunky, chunky box. Yeah. So we're going to try and put this together. I don't believe there are instructions because it should be idiot proof. They are, after all, fold boxes. Yeah. So let's see if we can manage to fold some boxes then. That didn't take long. No, no. I love how modular this set is. Yeah. You know, everything fits pretty much within everything. Yeah, it's, it's excellent if you want to start doing clever things like mm. building sniper towers or if you're yeah. playing something like Infinity where height has its advantages. Mm -hmm. It's also the density of the terrain. So that is, for all intents and purposes, one small box fits a six by four board plus all of the terrain to make a city on it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a pretty tightly packed table, but you've got some areas where you've got decent fire lines, other areas where they're really chopped up, which I like. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I want to drop a model something on something Stargrave? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Very cool. 
Right, do you want minis? Excellent for Stargrave, especially there's ones where you need a load of little um, oh, yeah, yeah. pillars, like 25 little pillars, so being able to get those and just fold them away mm -hmm. is genius. Yeah. Miniature? What have we got? Uh, something heavy. How about a Yilton? Sure. He's heavy. Drop him on something. Oh, well, I'll yeah. set him down. Ah, you're <laughs> no fun anymore. The big question is, will he cross a bridge? Ooh. Ooh, the base is just a little bit wide. Oh, that's all right. But it, it's cardboard. It's I'll bend it. It's holding. If it falls and breaks, though, we don't tell Corvus Belly, right? Uh, well, I think Angel did paint these. Yeah, yeah, we definitely so, we, we don't. Sorry, don't tell him. But yeah, no. So they're certainly robust enough yeah. to take uh, a variety of miniatures. I think it's a terrific set from Acid House. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, how long does it take to pack down? Well, probably about the same again. Yeah, I imagine so. So there we have it. Uh, only half an hour. Although it looked much faster, we don't move that quickly in real life. I certainly move that quickly in real life. <laughs> but half an hour to put a, a full six by four table together um, is amazing. Yeah, and cool. although although we yeah. didn't show it in that, uh, I collapsed it and put it back in the box it came out of. And again, that took about half an hour and that by myself because uh, Justin had uh, nice. slid off by that stage. Uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah. Lightweight yeah. part-timer. Yeah, it's terrible, <laughs> terrible really. Um, they have gone back to Kickstarter for a reprint and a bit more. So that was one of the initial sets um, from last mm -hmm. year's success. And now if you missed out on it, you can now jump in on the reprint edition. Um, so the whole point of this is to get more games in by having to spend less time monkeying around with getting your terrain on the go. And it really is yeah. incredibly simple, uh, as people seen in the in the uh, the video there, to get your stuff together and also to pack it away. Uh, now it does fit in the box for easy transportation. However, if you get the super gigantic set with all the boards for the six by we have, it also weighs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so weight to it. There, but Jerry, there'd be weight to, there'd, to, to there'd be weight to anything. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what I was wondering. It's just how that's strong cool, isn't it? it was. <sighs> uh, yeah, I cut was because oh, it, it just knocked the ball off. It it's been plasticized rather than varnished, so oh, um, okay, right. It's semi. It's not mm. super shiny because um, I know sometimes if you've got a very hot thing, it's a pain in the backside, but you can quickly wipe up spillages without um, worrying about your your boards doing the incredible expanding board, uh, which nobody mm. wants to see. Also, I quite like the fact, and we didn't really show it, is the, the board is double-sided. You've got this hard sci-fi on one side That's and then cool. a sort of a more grimy mm -hmm. sci-fi on the other. Um, so, yes, the building being the same, but you're not always having to play on the same mat, essentially. So that's... Mm. It's nice that it's so modular as well, actually. Oh, it's yes. incredibly yeah. modular. Be very good for Infinity. Excellent for Infinity. Beautiful yeah. for Infinity. Also yeah. for Stargrave, there's the, the two sides of the board there. Mm. We did the dull side. I'm not entirely certain why we chose the dull side. I think it was just the first one that landed on the table. I was like, well, that's the way <laughs> up it's going to go now. That's mm. how we... That's how we play this. Um, but you can get it in a variety of sizes slash flavors. Uh, so you can get four um, sort of four by four boards or uh, up to the big six by four. And you can get just the, the sort of the building acts as well. So depending on what you're looking for, if you've already got a mat uh, that maybe you don't need the, the transporting ability of a, a a sort of a worded version um then you can just get your hands on the the, the bit that fits you best, essentially um and they've also been pushing on from there 
to try a few other bits and bobs. So some of the stretch goals in here are for new skins. This is already designed, ready to go once it's been printed. Um, but they have just launched the survey for backers. In fact, the survey, I think, is closed for back to suggest different styles. And people have been throwing in things like, you know, uh, i-fi or an 80s tech noir feel board for your cyberpunks grim dark yeah. uh you've already got this hard sci-fi one so people have been really sort of mixing it up and throwing in their suggestions to try and do up things including um mm. sort of victoriana uh if you, so you're not necessarily playing sci-fi but different whole whole mm. other genres in there as well so mm. the stretch goals yeah. for those are a bit off but hopefully they'll get up there um it's definitely worth a look just for the sheer deadly uh i mean if you're looking to do that with even with 3d printing you're grinding forever and a day and then you've still got to paint it and then and then find okay. somewhere to home it still got to paint uh, and and possibly the the fact that you can stick this in a box and the box will go to your bed or you know in the bottom of cupboard uh quite handily but it'll have enough stuff that you can have a whole cityscape there it's probably one of the big draws for this mm -hmm. because i have a lot of terrain mm -hmm. uh, but I also have a trouble with the storage space because yeah, it's in yeah. every nook, yeah. cranny, I cupboard, multiple rooms. Have, and the I can't think of many six by four tables that you could fit into the box the size of a large board mm. game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like you. I know there's weight to it, mm. but hey, uh, you know, consider the weight of carrying a bunch of um, even plastic oh my God, yeah. with a mat. Yeah. You know, it's like. Um, yeah, no, it's no very nice. It's, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing that in the flesh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that we're seeing like a few more companies go down this route to kind of create this sort of like flat packy style terrain that yes. also has the strength to it. Like obviously, mm. I think like ten, well, maybe not that long ago, but sort of like five, six years ago, we probably would have we had like stuff like Terraclips, for mm. example, which was yes. done by the the guys. Um, well, they collaborated with the guys from Malifaux and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. and that was really nice, mm. but. I think this then it shows like a nice innovational step forward. Yeah, to make it so that, was a little bit flimsy. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit the, flimsy. The fact that they're but, using this sort of uh, corrugated cardboard packing yeah. for the center of the the belt bulk it means that yeah. it has that yeah. rigidity that um, a lot of the mm. other flat puff didn't have because it was made Look, out of one form. The athletes, card. the athletes in Tokyo are sleeping on cardboard beds. Mm. Yep, to stop Nookie. There we go. <laughs> well, I don't know if it stops the Nookie, but uh, it, it's um, but it's all about the engineering mm. yes. for the Nookie. Yeah. So it's a, <laughs> but yeah, it's all about the engineering. Um, uh, you can. It, it's uh, you know, there's there's a lot of potential for strength in that. Also, as those guys continue to explore um, design possibilities, mm. there's a lot of potential for different design shapes yeah. as well. Yeah. So uh, it may not necessarily all end up looking so square yeah. in the future. One of the, so. th yeah, you're right. one of the things they've said here, uh, this gridded version, some people were mm -hmm. asking for, um, but because they need to reach a certain threshold, they won't know whether or not they have enough people um to get it so they're, make it work they say on. said what they've done is they've added a new pledge which is clap for a gridded version it's a brutal <laughs> pledge if they hit 180 i think it is then they know with enough people mm. oh, yeah, yeah. to actually go ahead and do a print run with gridded version as well currently on 167 mm -hmm. so 
if you're after gridded things or sort of more board game style layouts or for uh, variant sort of games. Or role play games. RPGs, yeah. Role play games. Dead Zone plays on a three by three. This was probably one Mm. grids means that you could then port this across to Dead Zone as well. It would be excellent. Mm. Um, So yeah, they are listening to to feedback and pushing on to do some more. So it's one of these things, you don't know if it will hit retail. A lot of it will come down to how big a print run they do. So there may be a limited amount of words. So if you are after it, probably best to back it. Um, But the plenty of time left you've another 25 days on that goes off into the evening and having toyed around with it i I do think we're going to be breaking out and a lot more on it as well in the near future because it's a a nice looking setup and what's next guys we go very very big to the very 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 small so this is (laughs) a very short campaign from westphalia or westphalia miniatures and this is boris has bestowed the of giants and dragons upon the world. Oh, how so true monsters yeah. campaign. Um, there is not many days left on the only four days. However, oh. it all came down to Boris sending this giant uh, to Cave. Apropos of nothing at all, and then we going. Oh, what about yeah. dragon though? And so he came up with this, what they've called a cat dragon, some sort of sinuous. Uh, wavering like thing going forward, more more based on kind of like the Germanic yeah. sort of take on dragons. I mm. believe the, the thing they were going for with it. Uh, so. But they've they've also added into that stretch goals for both general stretch goals, so things will be unlock and buy, but also then giant or giant cat based cat wyvern based goals that will be added to those benches. <laughs> uh, so you can you can bo- mm-hmm. go ahead and buy these goblins and fomerai and huntress nice. all the rest um but if they hit a certain amount of backers then they'll they'll be included in some of the big edges uh and boris has once more been unshackled uh to do his just madness in putty that i love so much it's just such astonishingly good sculpting gorgeous <laughs> He he wakes up and then he just does things. And you see like little sketches that are presumably have come yeah. from his nightmare. And at that point, I'm just going, yeah, sure. It's not just about his talent. It's not just about the talent of the, the actual sculpt mm. itself. It's yeah. the vision of the man. Creativity. It, it, yeah. it's, it's what he brings in terms of the art direction mm. of the model. Mm. That is just gorgeous yeah just everything about that make it makes me want to go i want that yeah Yeah. such a centerpiece because the thing that i quite liked about this when i saw the the campaign was that it was playing around with the ideas of a giant and a dragon approaching it from a different point because obviously giants dragons are very sort of built into the fabric of fantasy roleplay games or war games or whatever and they're always seen as very destructive forces but I quite like the idea that you just from the approach of the miniature and the way that it's been presented, it encourages you to look at them in a different way. So yes, maybe that that big giant has ransacked livestock from a nearby farm, but you know it's also got that kind of gentle giant thing going yeah. on where it's like, so maybe he's done it because he was wanting to save the fairies in the local forest and that kind of thing. And so that's why you've he's sort of like doing what he does. Same with the cat dragon. Maybe it's a dragon that, 
you know, as we've seen with the huntress that sort of goes with it, it's maybe sort of like a, a more tame creature, or perhaps it's one that isn't so fiery and destructive. Um, and that is just amazing as well, Andrew. <laughs> and that, very, very meme but... <laughs> And that is, that is solely just Boris going, ah, look what I can do. That'd be good, yeah. yeah. yeah that'd be nice. No, I, I, I just really like... By the- I just really like the 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 different approach to fantasy that you mm. get from what Boris does. And you even see that in the likes of things like the goblins and things. Because like a lot of the time when you see goblins, they're all they they tend anyway to be done as almost very thin, sinewy creatures. But I love that he's given these things like a little bit more of a bulk yeah. and sort of gone for again blending in a little more of that fey energy mm. into the sculpt. Uh so it looks like they could be like little capering monsters in the woods, uh, rather than sort of going out to slit your throat uh, on the battlefield covered in black and stuff. Like that. Oh, because they, they, they could do both, of course. Yeah, uh, but, uh, especially Tillis and Alice Goblin. I think you've got it nailed yeah. on the head there. I think it, you look at these miniatures specifically and they tell stories, every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. They tell a story for what they are. They're not just, as you said, not just a goblin, not just a giant, not just there. Mm. You can very much make a creativity and develop mm. on the story quite easy just by looking at the miniature alone. I mean, that guy's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The goblin shaman was, yeah. I think he only finished it five minutes after the campaign had launched, mm. which is why it's <sighs> not on the main engine in the update instead. Mm. And it was just like, you know what? If you buy them both, the cat dragon and the giant, uh, you can get him for free if you're one of the first. I want to say 100 or 300 people. Mm. So there's still plenty so of them. So what there. you're saying, Jerry, is that you were one of the 100 people who backed this campaign immediately. And as- <laughs> I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> there was no money in the kitty when I arrived and went, I'm happy this. Now, what somebody has said is, can't unsee this now. Uh, if you've been following Marvel's TV programs, uh, they went, is that a Loki dragon? I'm going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at this stage, Loki stage, variant. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. way those horns aren't getting golded up. Um, but yeah, yep. stunning, <laughs> stunning, stunning stuff Very from uh, from Boris yeah. and, and Cave. And I mean, the, there's lovely little stretch goals Four coming. Four days left on that one, guys. It was it, so was, definitely want to jump into in. Was it was it Boris who did the hero hero quest yes. remake yes. stuff that yes. went over to Zealot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking for more of his stuff, um, go and check out the, Zealot the, as well as the goblins stuff. and orcs uh, are very similar to those. Very yeah. akin so to they'll, those. They'll, yeah. they'll my collection nice. that I already have beautifully. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> what can I so, say? Yeah. What's next, guys? Fish uh, so next up. Uh, is one that uh, I was particularly excited about because I have played through Assassin's Creed Valhalla Mm -hmm. and spent nearly, I want to say, 200 hours playing the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, A fair chunk of that was spent playing Orlog to try and get that achievement, uh, the trophy for playing the game. But uh, the guys at Pure Arts have teamed up with Ubisoft, or Ubisoft, however you want to say it, uh, to create a version of that dice game, Orlog, for play on the tabletop. Uh, so for those of you who have not played uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Orlog is a game that doesn't actually exist within Viking history, mm. but has been heavily inspired by it. Uh, and the whole idea of it is it's a dice game. Uh, and Vikings did play a lot of dice games back in the day. Um, so the whole point is that it's a one versus one game. You each have a set of dice. Uh, the premise is that you're trying to reduce the opponent's life to zero, which can be seen by it's like little gems and stuff that represent your health and stuff. What you do on your turn is that you'll go back and forth rolling your dice and you'll, uh, in sort of like a little bit of a Yahtzee style thing, you'll do it three three times and that'll be the set of dice that you use to then attack your opponent. Um, 
certain dice will uh, do damage. So you've got like axes are then stopped by helmets, arrows are stopped by um, shields, and then you have like a like a hand which allows you to steal gold from the opponent as well. And the whole point is that you're going to be doing that as much as you can and working out the best combination of dice in order to reduce your opponent to zero life points. The really cool twist in that as well is what's called God Favors. So God Favors are the little sort of tokens that you see laid by the side of each of the players. Uh, And those God Favor tokens um, give you special powers and abilities that make the game essentially asymmetrical. Because you could be like, oh, I'm going to take Thor, Heimdall, mm-hmm. and Freya. And then the other person takes a whole bunch of other different gods. And those god powers will then do things such as dealing a massive amount of damage once you've reached a certain amount of gold. Or maybe that will they will mean it so that all of your arrows count as double damage when you activate that power. And so it's, a, it's really a game of sort of like testing your levels and working out exactly the right time to strike really hard against your opponent and use your god favors in order to reduce them down to zero life points. It is definitely a game, much like Gwent <laughs> from The Witcher, that has taken over a lot of people's lives when diving into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And while we have seen a lot of people making their own sort of independent versions of Warlog, it's nice that they've actually dived in and created an official version <laughs> as well. Um, which, as you can see by the uh, the stretch goals that they've unlocked, they're going to be adding in a whole bunch of different things in here. So you've got gems instead of cardboard tokens. You've got real coins instead of normal coins. I'm sure that's going to change in the retail version as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, looks amazing. Uh, I am very, very tempted by it. <laughs> uh, I, I had a lot of fun with Orlog, and uh, it will be fun to dive in and play it sort of in real life as well. Even though it's not a proper Viking game, it's got that really nice historical feel to it. See what yeah. I what I found about Orlog, and what I like to find about this Kickstarter specifically. I loved Orlog. I got really well with it when I played for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. What I don't like about this, I think Orlog is strong enough to stand on its own. I feel like you're putting a franchise in front of it, and it looks very cash grabby. It's strong well, enough yeah. to hold yeah. itself, I think. And I think the outside with the fact that you've got the character on the front, the Assassin's Creed logo, everything, you're really turning up the franchise, obviously, to get more people involved in the game, which I understand. I feel like Orlog on its own, fair enough, with Ubisoft and Pure Arts backing it, I, I just I feel like all of the Assassin's Creed stuff and the logos isn't needed to push it. I feel mm. like it's strong enough on its own and it should be treated True. as an individual game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess the the flip side to that, as we look at flipping a coin, uh, mm. is that the game, I guess, wouldn't exist without Valhalla, if yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But it, it is a game that obviously has, as you say, its own merits. And I yeah. would definitely play it even if it hadn't been associated with the Assassin's Creed Valhalla at all. Mm-hmm. If someone had shown this off on Kickstarter, I would have been all for it because it's got that really nice asymmetrical gameplay. It's dice-based, very easy to learn, but then the tactical nature of exactly what God powers you choose, God favors, sorry, you choose, and when you approach the game uh, is a really nice sort of addition to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm very tempted by it. I don't think I'd be ever going in for the the resin horn and the big play mat, because that mm. seems like a rather ostentatious pledge. Uh, but the core game's not too bad. It's only like mm. 49 Canadian dollars. So, not bad. Yeah. I would so, totally get the horn. I really yeah. would. Of course you would. Can <laughs> you drink time. out of... I'm guessing you can't drink out of this. Well, it's resin, uh, so you can, but I would wash it. <laughs> um I would imagine it's 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 more ornamental than it is. Uh, Here's the thing, right? Drinking. When it comes to Viking horns, I have an authentic horn, like a real life horn that came off an animal, right? And cheaper than that, <laughs> I'm reluctant to drink out of it free, right? And you definitely don't want to drink anything hot out of a horn, no, because it tastes like feet. I bet. 
It does. It just tastes like rot, wet, and smelly feet. <laughs> it's minging. It is yeah. minging. And then, to be honest, I did it, and I can't get the thought out of my head. So I don't <laughs> even particularly like drinking cold stuff. But I will. You know, I take one for the team. Yeah. I would pick one for the team. I would take the whole horn. The whole horn. <laughs> you go the whole horn. You go the whole horn. <laughs> Very decent so, of you. So yeah, if if you're interested in uh, in Orlog, uh, that campaign again only has about four days left on it from the time you're watching this. Um, so if you're interested in picking that up, maybe you play Assassin's Valhalla, or you're interested in the idea of historically inspired games not necessarily yep. historically historical games you go and check it out i obviously like myself a little bit of oh where is it yeah hanaffle taffle so you know, ah, yeah. anything that's akin to that is always good with me so and as i say i enjoyed it in the game so might be picking it up <laughs> fantastic stuff. there we have it yeah. four days left two very quick ending kickstarters there guys so <laughs> you'll want to get stuck in jerry i think we're we're done that is we're all out of news and th- to show you for another week. However, we will be back on Sunday for our Cultum's XLBS show. So if you fancy joining us for Sunday morning waffle, come on over to ontabletop.com. You can sign up for a 30 day trial and join us as we relax and chew the fat over what we've been up to and what our community has been up to. If you want to win that copy of Hive War, don't forget to drop a comment below. And be a subscriber to the channel because we check, and then I have to pick somebody else, and I get very no having to pick twice. <laughs> <laughs> but until someday, bye bye. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong? Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.